Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Let me just ask a, a quick question. I want to take your pulse. Do you believe that God still heals today? Yes. You do? Yes. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about that. I'm not sure how he does that, but we'll talk about it. Um, I'm going to tell you a family story, and it is not a Kiefer family story. It is a vineyard family story. And so for those of you that don't know, I know some of you know this and others probably won't, but the vineyard got its start um, really with a guy named John Wimber. I might have a picture of him up there. Uh, John Wimber, this is like so classic like 80s, but that he uh, he was a, a child of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, so that's what he looked like. He died uh, the year that Molly and I got married in 1997, but Wimber was really the guy that, that put the vineyard on the map, um, and the first vineyard kind of got birthed uh, through his influence and possibly even in his house, but um, he was a rock and roll musician in Las Vegas. He was super worldly. He started out not knowing God at all, um, and then uh, he gave his life to Christ. He, you know, Jesus got a hold of him, and uh, and he became this really, really on fire, like us, radical follower of Jesus. And he, he ended up doing a couple of amazing things. One is, is he became a, a professor of church growth at Fuller Theological Seminary. But even more importantly than that, he was the founder of the Vineyard Movement. And so very, very early on, uh, in the, in the mid seventies, when the vineyard was just, you know, just one little kind of gathering, the way that, that it, it happened actually was that there was a group of, just kind of ragtag people, kind of burnt out Christians, people that have been banged around in life or banged around in the church. And they started gathering uh, together in a house in Yorba Linda, California. And they just started worshiping and weeping is, is basically the way that it, that it was talked about is they would get together and they would pour their hearts out and they would worship God. And more and more and more people just began to come until this little gathering in a house was 500 people. And, um, and, you know, John was like, well, we have, we have to start a church here. And so, um, so that became the first vineyard church. And John was the pastor of it. And very, very early on, uh, in the vineyard, the Lord said to John, I want you to teach on healing. I want you to teach that I heal. And John was really, really reluctant to do that because personally, he wasn't sure if he agreed with that, that God did still heal today. He thought that it was probably something that happened during biblical times, but not in in real life today. And so he kind of dragged his feet, but he eventually gave in. And for weeks, he began to teach on the topic of healing. And um, remember, he has a group of about 500 people, and the church is brand spanking new. And um, after three or four weeks of teaching on the topic of healing, about half of his church left. And the reason they left is because they didn't agree. They just didn't agree that that is something that God would still do today. And so his church is half as small, but he continues to teach on healing. Uh, and then people are starting to get frustrated. The, this, the last half are getting frustrated, and they're frustrated because every week he would teach on healing, but he would never pray for the sick. 
He, you know, people were just showing up with all kinds of sicknesses. He'd be teaching on it. And yet at no point was anybody praying for anybody that was sick. And so they said, we want you to help us to learn how to pray for the sick. We want to do this. And once again, he dragged his feet, but he eventually got kicked in the pants by the Lord. And he said, fine. And so at tonight's Sunday night service, we are going to pray for the sick. And so they had a ministry team and they invited all the sick people to come up to receive prayer. And they prayed fervent prayers, and they'd been educated by John for the last several weeks. And um, it was powerful in that exactly zero people got healed. Like, not one. No one moved. Not even a little bit. Nobody was healed. And so John was kind of frustrated about that. That was embarrassing. And so he decided he wasn't going to do that again. And the Lord said, no, I want you to keep keep doing this. And so at his next service, they did the same thing. They invited all the sick people to come up. And they prayed over all the sick people and exactly zero people got healed. And they did this for weeks. And after a few weeks, there was movement in that um, the sick people were starting to infect the healthy people. So the prayer team, the prayer team got sick. And that was pretty much what happened. And so John finally came to a a point where he got so frustrated about this whole thing. And he had this like temper tantrum with God. And he was like, I am tired of this. I am tired of putting myself out there and having you embarrass me. You teach us to pray for the sick in the Bible. I preach this stuff to the church. Then we actually do it and you don't show up. I'm going to quit. And according to John, uh, when John said, I'm going to quit, God said, either you keep praying for the sick or get out. And he was like, I don't know exactly what that means, but I want to stay. And so uh, he very, very reluctantly agreed to, to keep going. Well, anyway, that Monday morning, early in the morning, uh, he got a phone call from this young couple in his church, and it was uh, they were new to the church, and the guy was calling, and he said, hey, John, would you come over and pray for my wife? She is at home super, super sick. We have a baby, and I'm starting a new job today, and I have got to make it to this job, but my wife is so sick that I can't leave until she gets well. Could you come over and pray for her to be healed? And John was like, oh, goodness, yes, yes, I'll come. He did not want to go over there, right? And so he's making this drive across town to go to this guy's house, and he walks in the front door, and the guy says, okay, let's go in the bedroom. And we walked into the bedroom. He knew that this woman was incredibly sick. And the reason he knew that she was incredibly sick is because he said no woman would ever let a stranger see her in that shape unless she was horribly ill, right? So, So this woman was sick. And so John said he prayed this very, very, like, faithless, fumbling prayer for her healing. And then he turned to the husband, and he began to explain to the husband the variety of reasons why people very often don't get healed, And as he was explaining to the husband why this woman probably would not be healed, the husband is looking at him and he starts smiling. And John says, what? And behind the husband, the wife had popped out of bed and was making the bed. And she said, do you guys want some coffee? And John said, what happened? And she said, oh, I'm I'm healed. I'm well. Thank you. It was perfect. Great. And that was it. And from that moment on, God moved powerfully in healing in the vineyard. As a matter of fact, he moved so powerfully in this area that we became 
nationally famous. Uh, Peter Jennings from ABC News did a whole thing on, a, on, on the main news you know, network about what God was doing in the Vineyard Church. And the reason, you guys, that I share that story is because this is our family story. This is what we have been birthed into. Healing is what we've been birthed into. And I, I just want to know, did you guys know that we are a church that believes that God heals today? Did you know that? Were you aware of that? Okay, that's good. We're all on the same page. And we believe that God heals today for a couple of, I think, very, very substantial reasons, good reasons. I'll give you a couple of them. First of all, we believe that God heals today because God is a healing God and he does not change. I'll give you some scripture to back this up. Very, very, very famously in Isaiah chapter 53, um, it says this. Surely he, meaning Jesus, took our pain and he bore our suffering. And yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are, say it, healed. By his wounds, we are healed. In Jeremiah, the Lord speaks. He says, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. You see, it is God's heart and it is his intention to heal the sick. Now, the second substantial reason why we believe that God still heals today is because we actually deal in reality around here. Here's what it means. It means that we don't bury our heads in the sand and deny stuff that is true even though we can't understand it. There are some things that God does that we can't fully understand and yet we are a people that just knows and acknowledges that God does these things because so many of us have had a personal experience with the healing power of God. I just want to ask you again, how many of you guys have personally experienced God's healing power, whether it was God healing you or God healing someone through you? Anybody? Raise your hand. That's crazy, right? That is amazing. And so we are not going to be so foolish as to say that because we can't fully understand what God does, that we're going to deny it. No, we deal in reality here. So many of us, I, I should have had my hand raised, so many of us have stories where God healed us miraculously, or he moved through us to heal someone else. There's just no denying it. And so healing is biblical. It is in God's character, and we see it all the time. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to begin by sharing with you guys uh, a healing testimony. So I'm going to invite my brother-in-law, Evans, to come up and share. So I know, here, come on up here. I know that lots of you guys um, have said hi to Evans. Uh, what you may or may not know is that Evans is an internal medicine doctor. So he has devoted his life to uh, the medical world and to seeing people get healed. Uh, but he also has a personal story of God miraculously healing him. So uh, I was excited to have you come up and share. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Um, yeah, so my, uh, my story is um, I, uh, I was a healthy kid until I was three years old. Uh, when I was three years old, um, I went and visited my grandparents at a farm, and they had a wheat farm, and they were augering all this wheat from the combine into a truck, and I got up and played 
And I was in the truck, and I, I was having fun, and all the wheat was falling on me, and I had a great time. You know, I was in there for like 30 minutes. Or a, a week later, I got um, really sick, really high fevers, uh, coughing, and they took me to the doctor, and they x-rayed my lungs, and they said he has pneumonia on both sides. Um, so I was really sick, sick for a few weeks, and then I got better. And then I kept getting pneumonia over and over. So, um, you know, when I was little, like probably three times a year, um, I would get really sick, really short of breath. They would take me in and x-ray my lungs, and they say he has double pneumonia. They put me on antibiotics. I would be in bed for two weeks. I would be really weak afterwards. And that just kept happening. Um, by the time I was like 11 or 12, I was probably spending a third of the year in bed. So um, it was just happening more and more. Um, and every time I'd go in and, I mean, it's, it's, you know, literally a lot of my life I was either in bed or I was on the couch. I couldn't sleep at night. My mom would prop me up at night. And I used to have a milk jug, and I, this is gross, but I would spit a huge amount of phlegm every day, like a third of a gallon of phlegm in there, just really thick, nasty stuff. And... Um, my mom uh, kept believing all the way through and just basically cried out to God and said, you know, he's going he's gonna to die. He's not going to keep living like this. And um, there was a woman who, had, uh, who was known to have a healing ministry. And uh, we were, lived in Vermont. She was in Montreal. My mom traveled up there and went to this place. And I was sick at home. And she asked this woman to pray for me. And she said, well, do you have a towel or something, you know, you can lay on him? And she said, I don't. So they literally got a paper towel, and she prayed over this paper towel. She said, I want you to take this home and put it on him and say, be healed in Jesus' name. So um, my mom did that, and um, she did it on the first day, and she put it on my chest and said, you know, we're just believing, be healed in Jesus' name, nothing happened. She did it on the second day and said, be healed in Jesus' name, and nothing happened. She did it on the third day, and I was very sick, and she put it on my chest, say, be healed, and I felt better. And I got out of bed, and I went and started playing, and um, I was completely better, and I was 13 years old at that time. I'm 53 now, and so it's been 40 years, and I've never had pneumonia. I've never been diagnosed with pneumonia. So I, you know, I, I really think, um, I don't know what I had, but I, I, I think it was something bad, and I don't think I would have been here if God hadn't healed me, so. Good job, man. Thank you. Thank you. Mal. All right. Thanks, Evans. Thanks for sharing that, buddy. Good job. Good job. God still heals today. He is a healing God. And um, here's the thing, is that you and I are called to this healing work. You and I are called to be the instruments. That woman was an instrument for a complete life change for Evans. I mean, think about it, you guys. Evans was bedridden as a kid for, it sounds like, nearly a decade. And then the Lord intervened by way of a paper towel, and he was set free. And he got to play again. God does this. 
but he needs instruments or he wants instruments to do this through. And so Luke chapter nine says this, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority. And he has given you power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. This wasn't just Jesus doing this stuff. He used his disciples. Let's make it even broader. John chapter 14. Very truly I tell you, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, is that you and I? Whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be, may be glorified in the Son and you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Whoa, that's, that's a pretty big question. Pretty big scripture right there, right? And so the question I have for you is like truth time. Is this good news or bad news to you? Is this good news or bad news? I would say generally, yay, good news. Like God is a healing God. I want God to heal me. I don't want to go to the doctor, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to use my insurance. That is really, really good news. But if the question was, are you excited that God wants to use you to heal someone, especially someone that doesn't know him, are you excited to be a part of that process if they don't believe in God, much less believe that God heals today? How how excited are we if God wants to use us for that? Okay, fewer hands, right? Uh, This is where it gets tricky. But if you know the Gospels, If you know how Jesus operated, then one thing that you cannot escape, church, is that over and over and over again, the way that the Lord changed people's worldviews, the way that he took them for whatever direction it is that they were going in their faith, in their their philosophy, their worldview, the way that Jesus changed people's lives and the way that they thought about life was by helping them to encounter the healing power of and the miraculous power of God. And when they experienced that power, they could no longer deny that God did miracles. That's one of the things that I love about Evans' story is that in, in spite of the fact that he is a scientist, he is a doctor, he cannot deny that God works miraculously. And so that is what happens over and over in scripture, right? I love um, this. There's a moment in Jesus's ministry where he healed a guy who had been born blind. Anybody remember that story? He heals a man who has been, who was born blind. And this act of healing this guy completely ticked off the Pharisees because he did a work on the Sabbath, right? So Jesus worked on the Sabbath by healing this man. And so the Pharisees, they were trying to trap Jesus. And so they were all over this situation and they brought this guy in for questioning to figure out what was actually going on. This guy who got healed is a character. He's a character. If you listen to this guy's interaction with the Pharisees, you're going to love this guy. And so it says this. So they brought him in one time for questioning uh, and uh, and then they brought him in a second time. It says this, John chapter nine. The second time they surrounded the man who had been born blind, they meaning the Pharisees, they surrounded him and they said, give glory to God by telling the truth. In other words, don't lie to us. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And he replied, 
Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And then they asked him, what did he do to you? How? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Stick it to him, right? Then they hurled insults at him, and they said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke through Moses, but as for this fellow, Jesus, we don't even know where he comes from. I love this. The man answered, now that is remarkable. That is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does as well. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. And if this man was not from God, he could do nothing. And to this, they replied, you were steeped in sin from birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Like score one for the newly sighted blind guy, right? So Jesus later finds this guy. He wants to debrief with them. And he says this, Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have seen him. You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. You see, people come to faith when they experience the power of God in their lives. But this is one of the riskiest things, I think, that we could ever do, right? I mean, who among us wants John Wimber's story? Not, not, the, not the second half of the story, the first half of the story. Who among us wants to be weakly embarrassed and, and sort of looking like an idiot. Who wants to go through all of that, right? Who wants to put yourselves out there and risk looking like a complete weirdo and a bozo? But what church, what if the only way to get to the, to the breakthrough, the only way to get to the miracles was through the first half of the story? What if the first half of the story has to be our story for us to get to the place where God pours out his healing power. Does that make sense to you guys? What if you could be used to be the instrument of God healing cancer or a messed up leg or a messed up heart? What if God wants to use you in that regard? Would you do it? Would you show up for that? And as I was, uh, I was on the trail praying uh, for our time together today and just kind of thinking and dreaming. And I, I just, you know, felt like this phrase popped up. Will you be that guy? Will you be that guy? And I know that we've got guys and women in here, but you know what that guy is, right? What does it mean to be that guy? Most of the time we work hard to not be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. Why? Because that guy means that you're the one on the outside. You're the one that is marginalized. It means that you think differently than the crowd. It means think that, it means that you do differently than the in crowd. Being that guy means that you might be scrutinized or talked about or embarrassed at some point. But of course, God calls us to be that guy. And what does it mean to be that guy? Well, I, um, as I was praying, I had this image in my mind, you guys, of, of polka dots, of dots. And, and I'm just going to try to, I don't know if there's a, an, an image up there or not, but I had this image of dots and every person was a dot. 
And in my kind of dreaming, uh, if you look at up here, you see a whole bunch of gray dots, right? Those gray dots represent people uh, who don't believe in God, people who are, are not followers of Jesus. Those people are the gray dots, right? And then you've got the blue dots, right? And there's more gray dots than there are blue dots. The blue dots represent Christians, right? The blue dots are people that know and believe and love Jesus. And then the black dots, you guys, are unbelieving people that are sick because there are unbelieving people that are well, and there are unbelieving people that have all kinds of sicknesses in their life, sicknesses of body, sicknesses of spirit, sicknesses of heart. And so the black dots represent those people. And then there are two tiny little red dots up there. Do you see them? You know who those people are? That guy. Those red dots represent the people who will step out to do the thing that only very few people will do. There are only a few red dot Christians in the world. There are only a few who will step into the thing that God is asking them to do, even if it costs them, even if it costs them embarrassment, even if it puts their reputation on the line, even if it means that we look weird or different, even if it means that we get rejected in our offer. There are only a few who are that guy. There are only a few Christians who can bring God's kingdom and glorify God any way he wants to. Most of us, even believers, aren't ready for all that. We haven't signed up for all of that. It takes a few to bring God's kingdom and not be so ashamed of it that we would shy away from it. Paul wrote this to the church. He wrote this to the church. He said, our dedication to Christ, meaning Paul and his team, our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. But you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Paul was a red dot Christian among blue dots. You see, we're talking about living in such a way that God can be highly glorified in us or we can look like absolute fools, one or the other, right? I was, um, you guys probably have heard me talk about Panera because I'm there constantly. And Panera, I have declared to myself that Panera is my other church. I am the pastor of Panera. (laughs) I am, I am. I'm there every single day and I'm there on mission. And so, uh, uh, as a result of that, there's been some fun things. Uh, people from Panera have come to this church. Uh, I, right there is one person that I met at Panera. Um, but, but I do all kinds of things for the kingdom, asking God to bring his kingdom. And there's a couple that I've been ministering to there. Uh, they wouldn't call it ministering. They think I'm a friend. Uh, and I am a friend, but I'm, I'm more than a friend. And um, this is an unbelieving couple. We've talked about it. They didn't want to talk too much about it. But the, the woman in this couple has struggled with some health issues. And so um, a couple of weeks ago, she was really struggling with her shoulder. And so I said to her, um, hey, could I pray for your shoulder? And she and her husband got this sort of weird look on their face. And um, they said, uh, okay. And I, and I could tell they were like, what's going on? And I said, well, I, could I pray for your shoulder right now? And they got, they got a little freaked out, but they 
didn't say no. And so I just put my hand on her shoulder and I prayed for her to be healed. And as far as I know, the only thing that happened is that we all three had a really uncomfortable moment. <laughs> That's, I don't know if it went any further than that. Um, and then just last week, I ran into them and, um, and they were going through kind of a difficult thing. And so I asked if we could exchange phone numbers and they said no. Shot down again. And so I share that, you guys, because I would love it if I could tell you that uh, everything that God calls me to do makes me look cooler, it makes me look smarter, and it makes me look healthier than everyone else. But that is sadly not the case. And since I told you at the beginning that we deal in reality around here, believe me when I tell you that every single person that we pray for to be healed Not every one of those people get healed. As a matter of fact, some people stay in their sickness. I don't know why that is. I know that there's a cosmic battle. And nevertheless, you and I are called to pray for the sick. Because what it it means for us, you guys, is that following Jesus brings us to a crossroads. It brings us to a crossroads where over and over and over again, either we will be glorified and we will be honored, or he will, but we can't often have both. Does that make sense? So, as you are uh, just thinking about this, I want to ask you, will you be that guy? Will you be a red dot Christian? Will you do that? Will you step into that? And before you kind of try to figure this thing out, I want to just have you imagine for a moment. Can you imagine what it would be like if every one of us just in this room, and those of you at home, if we all just said, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in to be a red dot Christian. I'm in for you to use me any way you want to any way you want to. You need somebody healed, God, send me, I'll give it a shot. You want someone encouraged, God, send me, I'll give it a shot. You want me to say something uncomfortable or do something uncomfortable? If it glorifies you, God, I am in. What could happen in this church? And more importantly, what could happen outside of the walls of this church if just this tiny little church alone became full of red dot Christians? who would step into anything and say anything and do anything for the love of God and the glory of God and the majesty of God. What would happen? So, um, here's what I want to share with you guys. I just want you to um, think about how exhilarating it is when we step into this stuff, right? Who could be saved? Who could be healed? Who could be restored? And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to do this, this little phrase that we've talked about in the past. Can I pray for you right now? There it is. Can I pray for you right now? And you can soften it up. If you want to try to preserve your dignity, you could say, hey, I know this sounds crazy, right? That totally lets you off the hook. Then you could say anything after that, right? I know this sounds crazy. And then say this, can I pray for you right now? And then put your hand on their shoulder with their permission and pray your heart out. Pray for whatever the Lord gives you. Can I pray for you right now is such a powerful, incredible thing to say or to pray. And here's why it's powerful. Listen to this. This is actually important. Can I pray for for you right now is powerful because it immediately brings us to a moment where God is called upon to show up in a visible way. 
Amen? Can I pray for you right now? Brings us to a moment where God is called upon to show up in a visible way. Can I pray for you right now? Brings us to a holy moment where God can minister to someone that he deeply loves. That's what happens in can I pray for you right now? Can I pray for you right now trains us to trust in God, to live by faith and not by sight. Can I pray for for you right now as a training device that shapes us into disciples of Jesus? And finally, can I pray for you right now is just a powerful expression that screams, I love you, I care for you. And so this week, I'm asking that you would be on the hunt, that you would be a red dot Christian, that you would look for someone that needs healing, and that you would come to them and say, how are you doing? How's your life? What's, what's happening? What's that limp about? I have asked so many people about physical things, and I can't even begin to tell you. Just ask them about it. And then be so bold. If you're willing, say, God, help me. Help me, God, show up and just say, could I pray for you right now and pray a simple prayer of healing or care? I don't care what you pray, but pray over them. And then I've actually got a slide. If you don't know what to say after that, let's say if they get healed, just mic drop, give glory to God and walk out of there, right? If that's what happens, come and tell the story here at Thrive. Uh, but if they don't get healed, here's what you say. Just after, after you pray, just say, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And then say, if, you're, if they weren't completely healed, say, I'm going to keep praying for you and thank you for sharing your situation with me. I'm going to keep checking in on you. This is not that hard, you guys. But what I dream of is I dream that we would be a church where we come together every week and we tell war stories. We tell stories of our thrills of victory and our agonies of defeat. Apparently, I've got more agonies of defeat stories right now right? But this is what I want for us. And so the, all of you are wearing these red dots in faith. I, I have put them on you in faith that you will say yes, that you'll say yes to God, that you'll say yes to Molly and I, that you will join us in being that guy, a red dot Christian among a sea of blue dots and gray dots and black dots. Would you join me in that? All right. Um, why don't we stand up We're going to do something specific for ministry time today. Um, If I could get somebody to play up here, that'd be amazing. Okay. So church, let me tell you what we're going to do. The first thing that we're going to do um, is I'm going to take like three minutes and I want everybody that actually is like, I want in. I'm laying my blue dot down and I'm taking up my red dot. I want to be used. I'm willing to put my reputation on the line. I'm willing to try things that I've never tried before. If you are willing to make that step with the Lord, I want you to come up front. I'm just going to bless that in you. And then we're going to do something fun after that. So everybody that wants in on this, everybody that's willing to say yes, just come on up and we're going to bless this. Make room. It's good. And by the way, if you're not sure about that, then P 
peace be with you. It's okay. I don't want anybody faking anything. This is a declaration. This is a decision that you're making before the Lord. So, um, yeah. And I just really felt like the Lord was reminding me of this. The turning moment for John Wimber was, um, God said to him, are you going to preach your experience or my word? And I feel like that's what we're saying yes to is we're saying yes to your word, not my past experiences and what I think could happen in, in, in these moments. So yes to the word aside from our experience. That's good. Okay. okay. All right. Oh, just open up your hands if you're comfortable doing that. Um, Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, we just um, invite you to release your power, to release vision. I, I see God giving you guys like x-ray vision that you're going to be able to see through people, see inside them, see the cares of their heart. Lord, I, I, I just pray that you would incline their hearts. Jesus, you said, oh, pray that you would send workers into the fields because the fields are white unto the harvest, Lord. This is, these people are ready. And so, Lord, I bless this commitment. I bless this dedication, this saying yes to being instruments of your healing power. And I pray, Lord, that you would honor them with your power, that you would honor them with healing power, that you would honor them with miraculous power, that you would honor them with stirred up love and compassion. Lord, move on this church in a powerful way. Holy Spirit, come. Just receive everything that God's doing. 